Welcome to Inside a Boat, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Dave Jones. How are y'all doing? We have another episode of the Black History Month Reflection Podcast Series. So this has actually been going on. I started this back in like, I think 2018, 19. Um, and I basically, so if you, I haven't done as many this month as I have in prior years because I feel like we've built up a library now. Go back and check them out. It's the Black History Month Reflection Series, um, the Inside a Boat Podcast it's all over the place. You can just go Google it, stream it, whatever you got to do. But today I'm really excited about our guest because this was, this happened literally hours ago. Like this is just, this is black excellence. This is an excellent. This is just a talk. We're just talking about black excellence, all things black, but also not at the same, at the same time, it's just, we're talking about regular stuff. And I want y'all to, I want to introduce you to this person because he's amazing. And I think that y'all need to know who this person is. So, um, with that, my guest today is a realtor out of DC and one third of the Coalition Properties Group. Harrison Beecher, how are you doing today, man? Beacon. I'm, I'm grateful to be in a uh, Thursday evening revival with you. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, happy to connect with the friends from the other Washington. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you like jumping on short notice. I texted you like, <laughs> like not even in the morning. It was like midday. <laughs> I was like, hey, man. Because Ann, I was talking to Ann, I was just like, hey, I need somebody for this. And she was just like, yeah, well, Harrison would be good. I was like, man, okay, yeah, I'll hit him up. So anyway, yeah, she, 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 she so you were, you were up, you you answered the call, man. That was dope. So I appreciate it. Look, when, when the Maribode fam reaches out, I uh, love what y'all do. And I'm always grateful to be a part of any conversation, anything you create. Love, man. That's love. Um so let's just start. I'm going to get right into it, man. Let's just start with like, how did you get into real estate and like, what's your why behind that? Um, so I got in, in the fall, summer, excuse me, of 2008, graduated from Georgetown University. Uh, my best friend's mom, a lady named Sherry Sibbertson, was a broker. Uh, and she was looking at me and said, you know what, Harrison, I think this could work for you because my original plan, uh, I was supposed to be Dr. Michael Herrick Dyson's personal assistant, actually. Um, I had that as a senior year job. My senior year at Georgetown was his first year. In fact, in his book, uh, April 14, 1968, um, I'm giving a shout out in the back of it because I was answering the phones all year. And I thought that Dr. Dyson was going to take care of me in a very <laughs> black culture way. I just <laughs> you're hooked up without doing much research or other things. Yeah. Um, and he, he hit me up like a month before graduation. I was like, brother Bisha, love you, man. I'll write a reference for whatever you want, but I ain't got no job for you next year. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I got to figure it out. And that's, yeah. and I got into, I got into real estate. Um, and it made sense for me because I had a way to pay my bills at night with a uh, nightlife of DJing, bartending, serving. So I could like survive off of that money. Um, right. but then figure out the real estate thing during the day. And it wasn't one of those things where I was like, this is, I'm made for this. This is off complete. <laughs> but about you know six or seven months into being licensed when i had like a month with two transactions in a row and those two checks like you know quintupled everything that i made from my nightlife stuff i was like oh that's how this money can kind of work and it was like my first two transactions were really good friends they're people i was like damn i'm like yeah less dope and these are people that i like and then i'm starting to get more leads i'm seeing a pipeline start to build up i'm like man i should really like double down on that's unfortunate to kind of continue to grow naturally uh and then with the partnership that we formed in 2019 with uh, Keith and Ryan was much more thoughtful and strategic yep. and kind of making that transition from entrepreneurial to purposeful of, uh, you know, saying what would it look like if we came together and grew something big, which, uh, you know, we have thus far and it's, uh, it's been a beautiful ride. That's dope, man. I mean, that's, that, 
That's special. Like just for those folks that are starting out or may have, you know, maybe you're starting out right now, like any, if there are any agents listening or watching, how long did it take you like for that first, from the time you got your license and you hung it somewhere to the first deal, how long did that take? And was that a tough go or did it come? It, it, I was fortunate that I had income at that time. Okay. The analogy I give to my new agents is if you're trying to jump or fly or do anything, you need to have your feet on solid ground. I mean, not everybody can operate at a high level when you broke as a joke like Will Smith in pursuit of happiness, right? So like, <laughs> like that's not a great place for people to be. So because I had my feet on solid ground with the other income, June of 2008 license, first closing would not have been until November or December of 2008. So I had a okay. six-month window. Um, but then from that November, December 2008 for the whole next calendar year, it was over like 1.5 mil in production, which at the time was yeah. life-changing money. Um, yeah. And I was like five transactions in D.C. Like, not that much. But like, you know, and it's funny, I joke uh, with my team now and say, don't be like me with your first couple checks and be smarter. Uh, that time was when Plies, the rapper, had a song uh, the hook was like, what's in my pocket, dog? Big face, blood. And I like took a picture of my commission check, my whole commission check, and posted that somewhere while singing a Plies song. And the check was like, uh, check was like hundred, bro. Check was like not life changing, but I, you couldn't tell me. Oh yeah, you can't tell me. Oh, not Plies though. It was Plies. What's <laughs> it, baby? Oh yeah, Busted Baby's a joint though. That's a jam. I'm not gonna lie. Like you put that on right now, everybody got to You you just go to that in time. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, uh, Plyler, yeah, that's a good poet and uh, and brilliant philosopher. He has jam. He's 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 Plies. It's been interesting, and this is a tangent, but Plies has been interesting how he has pivoted, and I respect a lot of dudes that kn that took social media and learned how to pivot and and use their char charisma for to further their brand or further their platform and i i character, uh, right the character because there is the character that is plies that we see yep. and appreciate but then he'll end back with some thoughtful deeper stuff yep. and it, it's just because he starts he starts to live out the meme right that's like on sunday morning he's kurt franklin on there's more to and there's definitely more depth especially with black lives matter around george floyd like the things he was act he was saying some thoughtful and good yeah. stuff but then went right to some ratchetness right after, which is black culture. It's all of that, right? It's all of those things at once. He's a smart brother, man. I think that there's a lot of smart brothers out there that are playing the role and or just like, that's just how it is. You know what I mean? Like, just because you either, either if you're from the South and you got to draw or whatever, like that don't mean you're dumb. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. That's just, there's some smart cats, man. Like, Earth. I really got a lot of respect. But um, going back to like the real estate piece, thank you for answering that, by the way, because, you know, we have a lot of people that are starting out new and fresh. And in this market specifically, like right now, it's it's a tougher market. You know, we went yeah. from the lowest rates historically and everybody was buying a house to like, now you actually got to be a realtor again. You know, like wow. you got to you got to put in the grind, put put in the work every day. So how did your like all of that stuff that you talked about in the past, like being, um, you know, working before you got into real estate, how did that play a role in how you operate your business now? Did you take anything from that or, you know, whether it's sports or anything from the past and what was the most important thing that in how you operate now? Uh, I think the most important thing I got from all those past experiences really came from hospitality. Um, and I think probably specifically when I would DJ, the interesting part about DJ, right, is that you have to be in tune with a lot of people, but you also have to be aware of the client who's paying you. So yeah. there's going to be some people that may not like you, you may not be for everybody, 
But as long as you focus on the experience that the client wants at that time, you're going to be golden. So if yeah. a focus on the highest level customer service experience that somebody can have translates to so many things, restaurants, yeah. right? Like, like you go into a hotel, right? All these different things, it, it, it yeah. matter. DJ, real estate is the same. So like, I just yeah. always thought like, how can I not just do a good job with them, but do such a good job that they want to tell their friends about me and their friends' friends and then think about some strategic ways to make it easier for them to tell other folks about me. One of the things I did when I was DJing, Dave, back in the day, uh, I would always give, because I did a lot of weddings, and you know, okay. mom and dad pay for weddings a lot. I would burn a CD of the, back in the day, we burned a CD yeah, yeah. of all of their songs, right, an MP3, printed out a playlist, a track list of what I actually played because people wanted it, and then I would yep. include another single page flyer with my real estate card on it. So simply, yeah. I did a great job and gave you a great experience for your wedding. Whenever you want to buy, sell, or invest anything in real estate, I'd love to help. Because I did like 80 weddings or so, I was able yeah. to convert probably back to 25 to 30 of those into clients. Yeah. And now it's been the, the trifecta folks where I DJ their wedding, sold them their first house, sold their first house, helped them buy their second house. And I've just stayed in that life because at each step, it was a really high level customer service experience and then community, like we were connected yeah. after. So I think all of those customer service pieces really helped us structure what we do for clients today that keeps them wanting to come back and wants, uh, has them want to bring their friends and family into what we're helping them do. That's dope, man. Yeah. Well, what that tells me is that you, a, a, you're a hustler and you know how to like you know, put two and two together. I think that that connection that you just made with like the DJ and doing the MP3s, like that's different. Like you, you ain't you ain't you ain't the same as a lot of people. I'll just be honest. But like, cause like back in my day, so like I used to, I'm a, I'm an intra, well, I was an entrepreneur. I say this a lot on the podcast. People are probably sick of me talking about this. Like Dave, you talked about this all the time. I was an entrepreneur uh, working in the school system, but I've always been an entrepreneur. Like I just didn't know it. So like I would I would cut hair and then give people a po a mixtape. Back then it was tapes, like pause mixtapes. Like I made that joint with love and I couldn't duplicate it necessarily. So like when you got that, that was like for you, you know, and you got a haircut for 10 bucks, right? Yeah. So walking out with music and a haircut. And then I started burning CDs. And so I used to, I, so that's where the Deacon came Oh, we got to talk about that here. Cause I definitely- Yeah, well, my brother, the De you know, Deacon Jones was like the football, the old player football football player Deacon Jones my brother used to call me Deacon and then <clears throat> I used to make mixtapes and stuff so then it just stuck and then hooping and whatnot but like yeah I've always been the mixtape dude so like I always so all I'm doing with the videos now I just add a video to it because all I, I really I'm really big on music I'm a music head so like even now like I listen to all all types all everything I'm a hip-hop head first and foremost but like I listen to everything I respect everything I like everything um but when you talk about experience, it really resonated with me because even when we, um, like in our office, like I'm very cognizant as a as a consumer and a person, like wherever I walk into, what music is being played because I'm and how it sounds and the clarity, how it sounds, oh. the the vibe, it sets the vibe, right? So like I'm very big on that. So like I'll walk into anywhere, and that's just something that I don't think a lot of people understand why they like where they're at, but like that's a lot of it is because of the music in my opinion the ambiance that it creates it, it sets the mood it, it it sets what you will remember about it it's those subtle details like that's where with our events i don't think anyone else puts time thought effort and hours you probably do too to the different segments of music that people are going to hear at our events i got our warm-up 
I got a lot. It's like mm-hmm. when I structure my wedding playlist, I have five <laughs> segments, right? Here's a warm up, cocktail, here's the go, here's the bangers at the top. <laughs> expect here's the cool down, right? Well, yeah, the whole thing. And that, and, and what I play now, um, and even for NAR, I actually had a cool opportunity a couple of years ago with Realtor Magazine to craft an open house playlist. And I was thoughtful to make it a little bit funkier than your boring ass, like, uh, yeah. Music that you hear in a um, elevator. Sometimes elevator yeah. is decent, but like, think about it. When you go in the elevator, you hear something different. You like, oh shit! I remember it says right on the top. So like, that's the that extra level of thought and detail in terms of the experience somebody has is what made yeah. our client events. Like, and even at my local association day when I got installed last year, I, I came out to uh, to Kendrick DNA. Yeah, the one girl when it played for thirty whole seconds. I'm like, not at the beginning, like like you bang them the whole time. Yeah, like oh man, like, this is different. This this feels different. And then I love whatever it. you're doing next, just like uh, eases you into it. And I love it. It makes me feel better, especially before I present this morning. Our local, we did awards this morning. I had to make this all for me and everybody else. And I'm immediate past president, so I went for Diplo and Miguel. Don't forget my love because mm-hmm. it's a great song. And yep. I just left y'all, but don't don't forget my love. I'm here. I'm yeah, at you all the time. So there's, I, I think, you know, both vibe, energy, and lyric. How that lyric is saying something. I want you to say here now too. Man, I'm a coward. It's so nice to talk to somebody that gets it. Like I just dropped a a, a video. <clears throat> I did a little mix for a dude, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, on San Diego State. We'll be watching him in the tournament. And um, the song actually just dropped. Neek Bucks. And I'd never, I'd never heard Neek Bucks before that, but I was, I was just going through and I heard it. And it was the first, very first track. So I was like, ooh. And then what he was talking about in the song, I read Keyshot's story. So I've only been, I only went down there to visit my boy one time because he was at uh, San Diego before. And then um, now he's at San Diego State just helping out there and he'll, who knows what, what what's next for him. But like, I just, I saw, I read dude's story. He's from Oakland. You know what I mean? Has had some things go on like in his life that were, that, you know, he could have, that could have set a lot of people back. Right. Obviously it didn't with him. He's different, but you know, the song I chose was very in tune with and aligned with his story. You know what I mean? Yeah. So detail that, that connection It's that detail. Like, and that's why it's different. Like people don't understand why it's different. I'm giving everybody the jewels right now, but the problem is, is my catalog goes deep. I'm a music discovery person, so I'm all the way from back in third grade to now. Like, yes, I'm 44 now, so that's that's a lot of music. That's decades and decades worth of catalog that I got in my head. TV show, I, I'm, I will be so excited if you see it in uh, High Maintenance, the HBO TV show. I see, yeah. yeah. The, the score, how they score that song. Like, okay. it's one of many. HBO always does a great job with scoring and the music that they bring to set the mood and, and tell the story. Like, uh... Ooh. Uh, how, how to make it in America? How to make it in America for well, man? Uh, if they introduce me to Aloe Black, I need a dollar. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Since yes. ZJL, I introduced that introduced it to me. I introduced Aloe Black to people when I saw him yeah. wet DC, but nobody was a tiny venue before he was big. Like that's dude. In the moment, in the song, I, that's where I heard I need a dollar first. Yeah, right, right. You were yeah. right. Yeah. Yep. Oh man, no, I showed all of my men for the scores and the songs. Like their soundtrack, they have a, a Spotify playlist. I'll send you that's all of their songs from the show. Dope. Perfect. Perfect. I love Insecure for that same reason. Like, and I didn't realize Raphael Sadiq did, you know, he helped out with the score on that. And so like, and I had a couple people that I knew that were kind of in the running to have some songs in that, but you know, didn't plan out probably, but still like just the amount of thought they put into the music, um, just drove that show for me personally. But 
is they, it, mm-hmm. it, create, it makes a complete um, AV experience when the music yes. is done right. And that's probably like in my house, every, every large TV we have, I've got sub sound, like I need round sound. <laughs> walk into a place and your sub is like fucking, or part, excuse me, is like, like, <laughs> your I, I can't stay there. I'm literally going to try to fix it. We went to a gym for our uh, team workout thing and they had their stuff way overdone. The bass was turned up too. I'm like, where yeah. is there? Like I can <laughs> <laughs> I'm done because it's the same it's the same thing man like and the funny thing is is as an editor now like I understand um you know like when I watch TV now I almost can't like you can make people emote with your with your videos um just based on the songs that you put in the the music that you're putting in there it's so it's it's fascinating because now that I do it I I can watch a TV show like I'm on snowfall season three right now I need to catch up and like get that get through that but you know they do a little bit of, of of emoting with music in that one, and that's why I didn't start it at the first. I was like, ah, oh, it's a little too overproduced because I'm a wirehead. The wire to me is the goat because yeah. because they didn't do like all, any emoting with music in that whole whole entire show, which we just except for the title track and the yes, seasons yes. who sang yes. it and the details. Yes. Of each song. yes, yes, and it was the same song though. But it was different every single that, that is the oh man, some of yeah. you didn't understand. I have yeah. the whole wire soundtrack. Like I had the actual CD that I would take and play. And just be a family in Baltimore, like it's close and my mom worked in Baltimore, so like I'm seen. Mom in fact where they filmed uh one of the scenes with the Greek at the end of that diner, that's actually the Fort Howard VA. Oh, um, <laughs> got- Harrison, it's date night tonight so y'all have to cut this podcast uh, sure i only got a couple more questions so this is the first time ever that we've had a and uh come in and disrupt the podcast this is a first time in three-year history it won't be over. disruption of a podcast ladies i'm from- sorry i, I apologize <laughs> i mean this podcast is why this was my idea so i should get yeah, to like pop in i'm glad you weren't available it's my pleasure. That's what's it. Whatever, whenever, whenever your boat fam called, I am there. <laughs> yeah, I got a couple more questions, okay, I'll, and then we'll. I'll, I'll step out. Yeah, like to see you where it's out of sight. Step in. You know what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I already know. So, um, what people don't well, man, we could go down. We could talk music yeah, all day. Yeah, sorry, we can come. We come well, back to. It. Oh, it's all good. That's what this is about, man. I want people to be a fly on the wall and people just talking. Um, you're an advocate on many fronts. So talk about some of the things that you're doing in your advocacy work, because I know you to be, you know, you're upfront and, and really doing a lot of cool stuff in that, in that field. Yeah. I think, uh, because I earned some clout and visibility and leadership positions through real estate sales, through stepping up in association leadership spaces, it has, uh, granted me an interesting opportunity to be invited to talk at both a state and local level about policy that impacts uh, black people um, in D.C. And we're pretty progressive city, black female mayor, lots of things. But we also have a lot of disparity, right? A lot of a lot of like money, like everywhere, right, is, is really there's a very black part of town and poorer part of town and a very white and richer part of town. Um, and the question came up over the last couple of years is what are we as a city that claims to be progressive going to do about it? So the mayor made a black homeownership strike force. That's probably the most um, interesting and biggest scale thing I've been able to be a part of because it was asking the question, what do we have to do to set goals to increase black home ownership rate in the city? Um, there's $10 million of ongoing funds that are built into the budget, but then we got to think creatively about how we can turn 10 million because as you know, 10 million ain't that much to solve housing problems, but when leveraged the correct ways and when framed the correct ways to get more people 
to do things with it and in conjunction and multiply, um, it can come up. So for me, I think of my lived experience. I think of my grandparents. I think of, you know, people from the, the deep South rural Virginia, um, yeah. that their ownership and the things they were able to achieve against a lot of odds and sometimes at risk of their own health and life um, right. is something I never take for granted and that I want folks now um, to have it, you know, it, a, a better runway and access to opportunity. Um, that, that's the, the core of my advocacy work because when there is more opportunity for disenfranchised people of all kinds, with literally black folks, there is more business. There's, there's so many good things that come from it and as you know, it's not a pie like when you take when, when, when some people have more, it's not taking away from others. And I just right. want to use my position and visibility to hopefully give common sense and thoughtful strategies and ideas. And because I'm validated, right? Because people like know that I, I know what I'm talking about from because of business success, hopefully yep. that gives them space to listen to me about a lot of other issues like racism, discrimination, all the things that are happening anyway. Yeah. But yeah, a lot, lot of things to answer in that. But yeah, the mayor's strike force is probably the most impactful thing I've been a part of in the last couple of years. That's really dope, man. That's that's huge because <clears throat> we're and we're doing the same. Like the last podcast in this series was about the Black Home Initiative. When I talked with Jasmine, and we were talking about that's this it's the same thing where we're trying to increase Black home ownership, right? Three for party, three yeah, days. So a new Black home owners by the year twenty thirty. Nothing. Yeah. So what? Um, <clears throat> so basically, with that work, I guess in you're in D.C. So. What's the demographic like? Because oh, where we're at, you know, there's not as many black people. So it's a different setting in terms of going about this work. What's that look like? Because your demographic is how, how many black people are in, like, in terms of. Well, it, it did in 2019 or 2020, D.C. finally became a non majority black city by the numbers. It was over 50%. Um, but again, that's just a combination of many factors, right? Um, it's both gentrification, which, you know, is a market force. Um, but then also there were waves in the eighties and nineties of, of the, the people, black folks intentionally moving out of the city for a better life and better opportunity for their families in the burgs. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of different, uh, elements to it, but now black is still, uh, it is now no longer a majority black city. Uh, and it, it, it is still a little more mixed, um, because we've got a lot of different ethnicities represented, but it is not, you know, more than 50% black, which it was forever basically that's crazy man i can't even think about i can't even imagine living in a place that like that'd be so dope like i don't you know like because where we're at it's you know the demographics we're talking about i don't know what just throwing it off the top of my head 12 percent like let me look hold up hold up let me yeah. let me i don't want to just throw it 10 as of this sense is 10 10.3 black right so like when we're doing this work, we're like in the midst of um, white supremacy. You know what I mean? Like we're, I'm, I'm in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's not like it's a, it's a, it's a hard, so there's more of a risk, I guess, if you will, because our, our client base is predominantly white at the end of the day. So if we have 10% black people and <clears throat> about 33% of those folks own homes, a black realtor in our state, in the state of Washington is, is trying to start out is, is, and if you're working the referral based type system, or you can do the, you know, there's other systems out there where you're doing a lot of calling and cold calling, but if your network is your net worth, like Jay-Z says, I mean, that's, and only 33% of the 10% own, yeah. like that's not, 
that's not going to be that's not going to be good that's that's a, that's it's a tough it's a tough road so i'm trying to figure we're trying to figure out how we make that make those on for what you got to do to you know earn a living and help people right if if initiative you're pushing does not actually touch the lives of a lot of folks there it makes it a lot harder for it to be real right um, right and in dc it does i did actually just look up the 2022 census stats so of our just over 700,000 population Oh, wow. 2022 was 300,000 black, 295,000 white. Um, next highest group was uh, Latino of all different kinds and around 36,000 uh, Asian, 31,000 and the mix to make up the rest of it. So that is still like, you know, black is the biggest chunk, but it was always over 50% until last year. The crazy part, though, the crazy part is that you're still talking about the same things we're talking about yeah. in and someone will go, well, there's, it's, it's, it's fine. There's no, it's like, no, this, it don't matter. Like it still happens everywhere. And y'all are, and you're predominantly, you have a lot of black people over there. And we have rich black folks. Too. Like that's the thing you're talking about. Yeah, for yeah, I love that. But the, love the disparity that. is the, the craziest part of, yeah. you know, and I think in America, we have been fortunate to travel the world to other countries and you go to a place like Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, right? Where, you know, rich and wealth disparity is like really stark yep. and obvious. Like you're on Ipanema Beach and you're looking at a favela where people aren't even counted. But then right. I go to DC and I'm standing at the Capitol building and you know, 15 blocks away, there are projects where is that kid even counted in the same way? Like right. it looks pretty, right. they got running water, but right. life expectancy details, like a lot of other demographic data, it tracks like surprisingly along similar lines to third world countries in yep. DC. Health, like all these other things. So yep. that's why, you know, that that is my quick retort to why it still matters and why we still have work that needs to be done. It's like, because, you know, little black boy, my son, right? When he grows up and even if he doesn't get much melanin, I hope he can tan a little bit later. But, um, as a black man, like just on paper, his life expectancy is less. That's be it's for like, me. I was telling my son the other night, we were just driving around and he didn't have his license on him. I was just like, you don't have your license on you. He's like, well, we were out here. We were changing the battery in a car. Uh, cause his battery went out, whatever. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, we'll change it tonight and I'll go get the battery, whatever. So as we're doing it and we're driving back to go take the battery back, he didn't have his license. And, I, and then, you know, you know what conversation came up then. I was like, yeah. so I was like, you need to hit the talk. I don't even need to tell you what it was like. This is for the audience. So then I was like, you, my grandma used to always say, you need to have your license on you or your ID on you at all times. Like she was really adamant about it. And so I was doing the same thing to him and I was telling him all the reasons why. And I was like, okay, your friend Lucas, when you and Lucas are driving, because he's now braided up too, my son, and he's six three. Yeah. When you you and Lucas are driving, the cops ain't really gonna trip on you as much as when you and Angel or you and your friend Javion or you and your friend all these other friends who are Hispanic and black and whatever. They're gonna you, you're gonna stand out because you're driving and he doesn't realize he's driving it for high school. I'm like, it's a Honda Pilot. You're driving a pretty nice car, man. Like, yeah. like just trying to connect all the dots. Uh, for him because they they have they are you know mixed white and, and black they're mm -hmm. biracial but and have lighter melanin but still I was like it don't they got a draw they got a draw they're not like clearly white like I mean that's the you're it, never gonna be called white I, even though you need to understand and, and respect and honor your white heritage and mm -hmm. I'm all about that right but like you're never gonna be called white ever in your life especially as a man like I think as a young yeah. ethnic man, black man of any kind, the rules are different. 
And it's it's not fair, right? But it, it, I think the last few years showed us that the rules and what people think about right. it, and the box they will throw you into means you have to operate and, and think and do differently because one yeah. scary dude that is going to victim or weaponize this yeah. three ethnic man, right? Yeah. And, and, and can, can completely screw up his life. And that's the thing that really uh, around a lot of the racial reckoning in 2020, 2021, I, one of my dominant thoughts, I was like, well, I know the rules of how you're supposed to interact with police. And, and, and I didn't think, I didn't even think for a while about how messed up that was, that those are just the rules that exist. And I'm curious to see how Gen Z continues because I feel like your son's generation and beyond is kind of pushing it. Well, the status quo, the way those rules were, is terrible. It sucks. But I'm like, yeah. if those are still the rules that those cops operate by, we have to act within a set that is protecting ourselves and coming back home. And I'm like, pride over principle and making it work. Yeah. That's, 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 that's what I told him. He didn't have his insurance. He didn't know he didn't have an insurance card. And I'm like, bro, you've been driving and not know where your insurance was this whole time. What am I doing? I'm failing as a father right now, personally. But like he, we had a good night, man. We, we ended up, it was a late night and our dad's tired, but like, um, cause we were running around, you know, like trying to get this all situated. I was trying to help, you know, have him do some, a lot of it. You know, I could have knocked it out and real quick, but I wanted to make sure that he got that experience. But yeah, it was, it was just a good talk, man. And, and, um, I think it's important for other people to hear that. Like, I know I don't, you already said, oh, you had the talk. It's like, yeah, I had the talk. We've had that talk multiple times. It's not the first time we've had the talk. It's been multiple times, but this time it actually, it still has to be said over and over again. It reinforces like a lived truth. And that was with a lot of convos we had over the last few years and people saying like, aren't things better or different or for you're rich or you're this or look at you. <laughs> it's like, no, man, like I can't ignore or deny like a lived truth and things that might deal for my family or my best friends are like like these this is not like anecdotes or random like i've had smart educated um awesome and well-intentioned doing the right stuff friends of mine they're young black men that are sitting on the curb handcuffed for no reason yeah right? i've seen that so that so that informs how i'm always going to show up and informs what i'm going to say to my son um and how he operates especially we riding go visit your family rural Alabama rural Virginia the rules are real different out there right like I'd, I'd imagine in Tacoma or further out parts of Washington because I know oh, yeah, it's just like yeah it gets rural real quick and you know like and it turns into the same same stuff so you know it, it's just I think we're we're on the right trajectory though I, I am optimistic I mean why, why why would I not be optimistic what's the other option to be negative about it I think we have the internet we have history now being told um that was not told before we have clip i just saw a new clip yesterday of something some clan rally in madison square garden or something like that like some and i'm like man in like 1934 i was like man i didn't even know this existed like so there's so much stuff that we're learning on to the next like so you've been active in um, nar so national association of realtors what do you what do you do within that organization and how do you how do you move within there and how has it helped your career so for the 22 to 23 calendar year, I'm the co-vice chair in so many that room of the meetings and events committee. Um, and that was something I was really excited to be a part of because there are two major conventions or meetings that realtors come to around the country. One is the annual convention that happens in uh, November this year. It's going to be in Anaheim. Um, so I know y'all were just down there. <laughs> there yeah, yeah, we just missed you, man. I know, I know. It just like hours. Um, it's going to be at Anaheim, and that's, you know, 20,000 realtors from around the country that come to both have governance meetings, network, learn, be inspired. And if I can bring this same energy of planning and details to making that better and attract even more people to want to come to it, 
then yeah. I think I'll, I'll have a win. So the next two years, I get to help hopefully make that better. It is in Anaheim this year and uh, Boston next year. So okay. you know, it should be good. And then the mid-year one that's in May, we get to actually help plan that. So some of the major sessions where everybody is together, um, what mm-hmm. I'm implementing right away or I've, I've requested is the ability to curate playlists or actually real-time yourself. <laughs> that boring meeting that happened. That'd be fire. Surprising with some bass. I don't want to hear the same Imagine Dragons song on loop. <laughs> Imagine Dragons are great. I like Imagine Dragons. Don't get me wrong. They make dope joints, but... But not the same thought. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. And then, like I said, I was immediate past president for my local association. Um, and at the state level, I've served on a couple of different committees. And the reason why I do it um, is, for one, just a better understanding of how all of this works. If there's a brand or something I'm a part of, which is a realtor brand, um, I wanted to learn the history of it. I wanted to learn the in and out, um, the power of the Realtor Political Action Committee and the lobby is, you know, a whole, whole separate cobble we can go down, like that he right. controls the money that the politicians get, um, has the ear of the politicians, has a lot of significant control in the country. So that was one of my most direct ways to understand politics at a higher level was getting involved with the Realtor Association because I've served on RPAC committees and stuff in the past just to see how these literally millions of dollars flowing um, work yeah. and how the people that are the conduits in between can earn themselves conversations, connections, and relationships yeah. that I'd have no business in otherwise. Um, and then and then friends, man. I guess I would not know you and Ann. Um, I would not know, you know some really awesome practitioners from around the country had I not, you know, chosen to give my time, talent, and effort to uh, to NAR. So it's been really great for me um, to meet folks and, you know, learn a lot and, you know, start to have some significant impact, hopefully, in just how it is running for the future. That's dope, man. Well, I appreciate I appreciate the work that you're doing. And I think that it's important for everyone to know that you're in there doing that work because, um, you know, someone might not understand or it might actually just what you just said might have someone, you know, get involved. And so... Um, when you said you guys are going to be in Boston, I think I might have to come to that one so I can tap in with Phipps because when I was all dad in Massachusetts, I drove up to Long Island to, or not Long Island to uh, Rhode Island to meet up with Phipps and went to the house and we just went, we hung out around his little th- rest, but and th- this whole fit family. So with music, stroke people and man, dude, they're like, oh, we got to add your, he's got a, um, he's got a rap geniuses facebook group or just sharing like underground stuff and opinions on things i'm, I'm gonna make sure you're added in you gotta add me in and you're, you're talking all night like about just oh. all the things dude all the things. his his library his knowledge base oh deep it's deep because he didn't know he was like oh you know mr lift i was like man bro i listened to all of that like yeah, he was like yeah. oh i didn't know people on your side were even on and i was like man all that boston bean town stuff like i was on all of it and he, so we were just going on and on but yeah that's my guy um, all right. So I, as per, per my wife, I need to get out of here, but I have one more segment. Um, it's called hot take. So on hot take, it's gonna, I'm just going to give you a either or question. You just got to pick one okay. and that's just what it is. Are you ready for hot take? All right. More legendary air force ones or Chuck Taylors. Air force ones because of my age. Uh, like, <laughs> again, I'm born in the 80s. I feel like had, but had I been born in the 70s or earlier, then I could have seen Chuck Taylors deployed in a on more significant people and like actually used in basketball games because I feel like they were at one time. Uh, Air Force One, I gave between Nelly, between the shoe that I idolized in the you know late 90s, early 2000s, when I could first start to afford them, it was Air Force Ones. And then now seeing their resurgence with all the colorways and 
you know, yeah, the things people are doing in the uh, off whites, like Air Force One. Yeah. I have a hot take for you on that. I think the Jordan One is the new Chuck Taylor. Yeah. Well, that's another another one. Uh, yeah, well, that that is my dress shoe everywhere. Is my that's hot. on Jordan One. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Jordan Ones are the new Chuck Taylors of this gen of this generation. Um, all right. Would you rather go back to 2022 or 2020? Yeah, relive it. Um, ooh, that's hard. Um, you know what? In hindsight, I had not. I mean, too many people died in 2020. I can't say that. So I'm going to have to say 22 because we were back outside. We were doing things. And my son was born. So yeah, 22. Yeah, it was, it was a special year for a lot of reasons. It sucked at the end for a business perspective. But uh, the first uh, first three months of the year, my son was born in January. So like it was, it made the first half of the year amazing. Yep. All right, man. What's better, 80s music or 90s music? We read that one, man. <laughs> uh, uh, again, I'm going to have to just go to what I have like put my hands on more, which would be 90s music. Okay. In Georgetown, I used to DJ a 90s night and made it a thing at the bar where I was at. So I've still got, got like hours, I mean, days of 90s playlists that go deep from like the stuff you heard on the radio to like boy band beginnings to yeah you know even some soft rock stuff around that time like there was there was quite a there was a wide range of things in the 90s but the 80s is really special too but i just 80s for me, it's gotta be it's gotta be 90s for me it's gotta be 90s. it's 90s for me too but like i but you know i i so the 90s for me i was in the middle of the grunge era like i don't think my kids realize like i see oh when i went to phipps's house his daughter one of his twin daughters comes walking down the stairs she's wearing a nirvana shirt and i'm like dude what you know about nirvana like i was there like i it was happening right here you know and i was still middle schoolish so i wasn't like in the car headed up to the shows and stuff but like you couldn't go you go to the mall pearl gym big old stand thing is there their number one album in the name what's the epicenter of northwest yeah the pacific northwest the epicenter of rock um and then ray z punk rock punk rock was actually pretty significant Mm -hmm. like dave grohl uh, and it's from DC, right? So like punk rock, it was an interesting punk rock scene in DC. And because of my private school, uh, you know, for high school and beyond, I was exposed yep. to a lot of it. Like in, in my parents' house, they never lived in none of that. But then I yep. got to actually learn and appreciate lots of different early alternative and uh, punk rock from the 90s, because that's yep. great music too. No, and I, I, so like I have, so, you know, I got a bag, you know what I mean? I, 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 I don't go deep in, in those other genres, deep, deep, but like I could go a little deep, go fair, you know, like I got, I'm respectable. All right. This next one might be a little bit easier. Uh, maybe not Chipotle or McDonald's. Chipotle. Yeah. I just like a salsa pico de guy. It was probably my, you know, my, my, uh, last meal type deal. It would be like really fresh pico de gallo uh, is what I like on there. All right, and I actually don't even talk about this subject anymore. But the next, the last one is uh, LeBron or MJ? Goat. Uh, LeBron. Uh, again, he is my when I was playing high school ball, uh, and one of the he's one year older than me, so I've grown up with him. I've seen what he's done from a sustaining a high level of play perspective. He is the greatest of all time. I'm gonna clip this, and this is going to be on uh, one of the clips. <laughs> To get people to watch this show because you are my guy. You are exactly what. Nah, I don't think you can. I don't think. I think I understand why people like MJ. I was an MJ Go guy and I was fighting all the old heads about him yeah. when he, he had one ring. You know, I was just like, he's the best player I've ever seen. Yeah. LeBron story is American folklore. It's not just about basketball, it's American folklore. And he put his boys on from a business perspective. This what, is- what he's doing with his sons now? Come on, dude. Like, that's like, that's what makes him. 
that's what makes him the goat. And the shop, like, dude, like, it's in the, all the content. Like, yes, his movie sucked. I'm sorry, Space Jam was terrible. Uh, we, it was terrible. We can admit it. We can admit that, right? Uh, but Jordan made some terrible shit. It was over years, too. Like, that. not every Jordan is amazing. We can say that. Dude. There was some nasty Jordans in there, man. Four, no, threes, what are the, there was some ugly ones that just came out with some lows. I'm like, why would you even bring <laughs> there's a lot of them that they that they come out with i'm like man just let just let the they just man the cement threes actually dropped a shot drop this morning and i don't buy jays anymore like that but like i have some ones i got some ones chilling on ice and stuff but yeah the threes the cement threes came out this morning on the sneakers app like and i just opened up my sneakers app and it was just there i was like what and i just had to go buy because those are my favorite the cement threes but these had collared uh ones that were out like a week ago i saw someone had them in anaheim I just was like, hey, hot take here too. I think the LeBron twenty is the best LeBron shoe ever, mm-hmm. but potentially because not to hoop in. I can't hoop in them personally because I'm I'm big and I need all the air bubbles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But like those are those are, I have a pair and they're they're the ones. Just it's like the the Mamba. Uh, they are like Kobe's. Yeah, and they're like no, Kobe's. I got a pair of the like black and silver, which mambas they are like i got them right um around the time he passed away and we can like walk around them bro they're like yeah yeah, yeah. no i don't flat wide feet like i need leave them say i got flat i need i need i need i need orthotics i need all the cushioning underneath below <laughs> i need give me all that <laughs> so, all right man well thank you for uh for participating in the hot take you survived i appreciate it um but yeah man this is your time to shine. Give people your elevator pitch. Give you your plug. How they can get in touch with you. How they can listen to the podcast. You also we didn't even get to touch on the podcast. You yeah, can uh, yeah plug that first. So uh, all blends perfectly. Let the liquor tell it. Uh, is our uh, new podcast at all blends perfectly um, on all social media and uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's me and my partners just talking breezy, talking about life, having a great time, laughing, making fun of each other. Um, which is a lot of fun and talking some business and real estate too. Yep. You can get to me on Instagram at HL Beach. That's my preferred. Uh, and again, we service Washington, D.C., Maryland, Northern Virginia, basically from Baltimore to Richmond. My sales team is here to take care of you and anyone you connect us with and refer us to. We'll be part of the coalition community. You throw the absolute best client events where people come, make friendships, learn to love each other, learn to know their community, and have outstanding music, food, and culture for our March event. We're highlighting black women owned businesses and doing giveaways for them as well. So like all of the details are considered at all times and it's good typed. So. You, you, you a pro man. I, I hope people are taking notes right now. I hope people are taking notes cause he, my man Harris is a pro man. Well, I appreciate you being on on short notice and this is, this was dope. I really appreciate it, man. You, you've, you've dropped a lot of gems, but also we, people, we meandered a little bit, but this is just what it is. Man, that's like, oh, you know, catching up and all that. So I appreciate you, man. So that, that'll do it. All right. Thank you for listening in, ladies and gentlemen. That's a wrap for Inside of Bow Black, Black History Month Reflection Series, Coalition Properties Group. Represent Harrison Beecher. Beecher. Go check them out. And with that, on to the next. Peace.